episode 46 of This Developing Story. So this week I am working still on React, obviously. I'm going to be on this project for a while. But I am actual, actually open sourcing my messaging app. It's going to be, if you want to check it out, uh, the code per se. Uh, the app itself you can't use unless you have a block login. Um, and right now I only have it open up to admins and mentors. So actually using the app you can't use. Um, but you can see the login screen. And uh, so if you go to github.com slash block slash messenger, I am putting it out there for mentors to use first, so just internally, um, so I can get some feedback on like maybe feature requests and what have you. And until I get a little more confident in the actual product as a whole, um, I'll open up to students. Uh, but I do have plans to roll that into a, a fake API, so um, just like a generic messaging client to be able to show the app itself. So that way you don't have to actually have, need a block login to see the code and see it work. Um, I'll put that back on my personal repos uh, and show that off. But for now, um, I've moved the actual production ready code to block because I feel like it, it, it would live better over there. Um, so yeah, it'll be my first internally open source project um, here at block. So we'll see how that goes. Um, also working on a bit of Go, um, basically just doing the computer science program for the Blocks SCT track. Um, and using Go, I found that I'm pretty confident in Go now at this point. Um, I know where to Google, I know how to look up to do things. And I built a small tool called Creep in Go. If you go to bduggy slash creep, you can see my code. Um, again, that's also block specific, but I'm actually looking to make that less block specific. Um, but for now, I just needed something so I could actually pick people to review my code on Fabricator, which is like the Jira, but built by ex-Facebook engineers or current, I don't know, current Facebook engineers. Um, yeah, some people built it and we use it. So um, yeah, there's that. And yeah, so this week's interview is Kevin Burke. Kevin Burke is a senior software engineer at SHIP. Um, he's been in industry for quite a few years now. And uh, we actually talk about some pretty interesting things. This guy is just a box of information. As the conversation unfolds itself, um, I continue to find out more and more interesting things about um, Kevin. Kevin used to work at Google for a short amount of time. Um, he also did computer science as a minor, um, as an afterthought. Um, so he already got his entire degree, and well, most of his degree, and then decided that he should focus some efforts in computer science before he graduated um, and got a job marketing and then eventually uh, finagled himself into software engineering. So I was pretty interested with Kevin's story. So I hope you guys find this as interesting as I did. Um, but without further ado, here's Kevin. My name is Kevin Burke. I'm an engineer at SHIP. Uh, SHIP is a logistics company that makes it really, really easy to send anything um, through an iPhone app. And uh, I work on the back end. So all the times the phones make requests to a server, I'm working on the server and making sure that that's fast and returning the right responses. Cool. And how long have you been on SHIP for? I've been there for 18 months now. 18 months? Cool. Very cool. So I usually I start with a talk to people and how they got into developing. And just last week, I talked to a Slack yeah. employee who just started Slack like six weeks prior. 
and she's very new to programming, but you're a unique case where I don't have many people who have as much experience on the podcast yet. So yeah. how did you get into programming as a whole in general? Yeah. Uh, so I started in college. I took a, a Java class. Uh, just, just basically, we had this environment called Dr. Java. Uh, I had no idea how to use Java C or the command line or Eclipse or anything like that. But you you basically just edit files and hit like run. Or what I would do is just paste stuff in this little uh, REPL that they had. For Java, they had a, they had a REPL for Java. Okay. Uh, and then that would run things and then you get output from that and do that. But that was how I got started. Pretty much from there for the next like three years, that was all I knew how to do. Really, <laughs> just from these two classes that I took. Oh, really? Did you? So did you have a CS degree then? Uh, I was a CS minor. Okay. Um, I transferred, and uh, it was hard to do all the classes, so I got a I got a minor. But um, but yeah, so I took some classes. Uh, that didn't really that wasn't really that helpful for like learning how to like do maybe professional stuff or, or helpful for, for getting a job so much. Um, but I also had a website, I had a, a blog, um, and I was, you know, I wanted to do stuff that's like change the header, right? Like how yeah. do I change the theme? How do I change the colors on this? Uh, and so that was running WordPress. And so literally like, like getting started with web development was me like using the editor. They had an editor you could go to in the admin panel. Yeah. And you could click on files and then like tweak the files and then hit save and then like see what would happen when you, you know. Yeah. So I'd go and find like these like hex colors and I'd go like control F through the thing and then like change the change the color and then like refresh and see what changed. And so that's your that's your intro to, I guess, web. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Cool. Uh, changing that and then figuring out how to do things like uh, copy files via FTP to the server and then like right. reload from there and that sort of stuff. So based on your your nom nomenclature. This, was this like mid 2000s? This was 2008. 2008. Okay. So 2008. Okay. Yeah. In yeah. WordPress, that makes sense. That's I was in that timeline. Yeah, I was a uh, I was a junior in college, really. Okay. Uh, and I didn't know I got a, I was a uh, before that I did I did I was basically coaching basketball every summer. <laughs> okay. I had no I did like zero background, and then I got hired as a marketing intern at uh, Atlassian. I mean, I didn't okay. know I could do engineering or anything. Um, That's interesting. So what was your major then? It was economics. Okay. I was an economics major uh, who I was just kind of interested in this stuff. You know, like I do random things like I did. I was interested in coaching basketball. You know, I did the internships. And so I would do things like parse a play-by-play, -play, right? A thing to parse like a play-by-play -play thing yeah. and generate statistics based on that that you couldn't get from like a normal box score, right? Like, yeah. Um, what was this player's plus minus while they were on the court, right? So you have to keep track of how many points are scored while they're on the court. Wow. Uh, and learn a bunch of stuff. Uh, the pro it was an utterly garbage program, but uh, you could you could get cool stuff um, out of it, right? Um, cool. And this was uh, this was in Java? Or this was in Java, okay. yeah. This was like sophomore year and then junior year, yeah, learning how to do like WordPress and the, and the web page. It was all just like, oh, I want to do this thing. How do I do it? And then figuring out how to, wow, that's really cool. to get that done. And what strikes me, so we met like uh, a couple, quite a few months ago, because I wrote a blog post on CopyScript, and you had commented on it. I think it was yeah. on, either, was it on Lobsters? Or it was, was on, on Lobsters, yeah. It was on Lobsters, yeah. okay. Yeah, so we chatted previously, so I know you're from the Bay Area, right? Yeah. So you grew up in the area, but you didn't know like that you could do programming as a thing? I had, yeah, I had zero idea up until, I mean, even after I graduated, I had no idea. Uh, and I'll tell, I'll tell this story in a sec too, but yeah, so I did, the, I did this marketing internship 
And what it turned out to be, they, they totally wanted me to do one thing, but the, the goal of it was Atlassian at the time was getting a lot of support queries um, and they wanted to sort of figure out how to get fewer support queries without like making support harder to find, right? You know? Yeah. Um, and so a lot of it was like digging into the data. So like my first few days on the job was figuring out, they had this data warehouse. And so I was trying to figure out like what kind of support queries do they get, right? Um, and I had to learn how to write SQL, right? Yeah. So literally, I think I wrote five SQL queries and it took me like three days to figure out how to write these queries and like get the data that I wanted to show up to sort of see. And then you break it out and you see, oh, well, a lot of these people are asking about like licensing or like how do I upgrade, you know, and all this stuff. And for that, they really wanted to talk to the sales team because that's all this customer support team was telling them to do is go talk to the sales team anyway. So it was like, well, how can we figure out that someone's asking about licensing and get them to the right place uh, faster? Um, but yeah, so that was like, that was pretty interesting. I had another sort of quote unquote technical thing there, which was Stack Overflow at the time had this neat. I think they still do. You, you, you when you start asking a question, they'll they'll yeah, pop up this drop down that yeah. says like, oh, here's a bunch of related questions that might answer your question. They don't want you know they don't want duplicates and they want you to get the answer before you have to wait for someone to answer the question for you. Uh, so I I built that basically for Atlassian. Uh, so when you typed in a question, it would just go and do like a Google custom search. Uh, okay. And then try to find relevant results from like Atlassian's existing resources, uh, and then deploy that. So that was pretty cool, right? You know, and yeah. this wasn't like engineering. You know, this is just me trying to solve a problem, which is like, how do we get less support queries? And this is as coming a, in here. a marketing intern. This is as a marketing intern, okay. which was more about uh, uh, the. I went to Claremont McKenna, and my boss, the marketing, the head of marketing, also went to Claremont McKenna. So you know, it was uh, that was a, a lucky way to get an internship. Um, or not a lucky way, but I don't know, a yeah. fortunate way to get an internship. Um, and so, yeah, and so he had some stuff that he wanted to sort of get help with, right? You know, um, when they wanted to do a new launch, it would get slow because of all these support queries. So he's like, okay, can you try to figure out how to help with this? And so, yeah, I mean, but that was, I never really thought of myself as an engineer all that time. I was just like, oh, here's a cool thing that I can do, you know, to help get this problem solved faster, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, and then... I went back to school, uh, did a little bit more work, did a few more engineering classes. I graduated. I didn't have any job offers. I did some engineering interviews, and they didn't go very well. And I had a job offer, for, a job offer from Google to do spam fighting. Uh, and I, I, I didn't want to tell my parents no. I didn't want to tell my parents I turned down Google for for nothing, right? Yeah. Like I, I turned down Google, and I have no job prospects lined up because that didn't sound very good. Yeah. So I go to Google and it's literally looking at websites one by one to see if they're spam or not. Uh, so not even like super technical at all. Not even super technical at all. Just here's a website, go look at it and see if it's spam or not. And then uh, if it is spam, then apply this penalty to it. And if it isn't spam, then hit okay and keep going. Wow, for a company that's known for their algorithms, I'm surprised that's how, uh, that's how they operated as far as like spam. Yeah. Program. So they have, they use that, they use a lot of that output to train the algorithms better. Okay. And there's always, at, at, at Google scale, there's always these kind of edge cases. Yeah. And there are some times when something will suddenly start getting a lot of search engine results. And it's hard to tell if it's spam or not, right? Like yeah. maybe someone just announced a new concert. And now all of a sudden they're showing up in all these search engine results. But is it spam, is it not? It's hard to say, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I was not very good at that job uh, at all. Um, it, it was really hard 
uh, it was really hard to stay focused. Um, I kept trying to like improve various like parts of the workflow to make them more automated or like I would like build out these little Chrome extensions and stuff. But that was mostly I was just like bored and just not very good. And I realized pretty quickly they were not going to let me like transfer out yeah. because I was doing so poorly at my current job. You know, I couldn't be like, hey, you know, like let me do something else and I'll be better because of it. Why, you're terrible at this. Why would we let you do anything else? So, yeah. so then I reached out again to everyone that I that I had interviewed with or had met with or, or any sort of contacts that I had in, in the tech industry. And I said, hey, I, I really need to find a new job. This was the first week of me getting there. I just realized this was not going to be a good fit. And uh, so, yeah, and fortunately, um, I'd done sort of enough work over the summer. I'd been writing all this time and uh, like blog post writing blog posts. Yeah. Um, and I got a post on Hacker News and, and some other stuff. So I was able to share out, hey, here's all the stuff that I've been doing. And it was impressive enough that I got uh, I got an interview and I got a job uh, as an engineer. Oh, really? After. Yeah. After and this was where? Years. This was at Twilio. Twilio. Okay, cool. So before we move on, yeah. um, at Google, did you work on a team or did you work with Matt Cutts at all? That is a, that is a really funny question. So I, I met Matt Cutts for 30 minutes. Oh, really? uh, we were maybe f like three levels below Matt Cutts, but I saw him randomly and I said, hey, I have all these ideas I want to pitch you. Like, it's so funny how, how much, like, what random things you'll be willing to do when you don't know anything. Like, yeah. I was so new to everything. I was just like, hey, I just want to pitch you on these ideas. Like, I, you know, I was just, yeah, just, I was an idiot. I would never do this now, you know, like. Uh, and so he met with me for 30 minutes. And I said, oh, I think we could, you know, make X, Y, and Z better. And, you know, he pitched me on, uh, here's this problem that we haven't really optimized um, the results for, and we could do a lot better in terms of how we sort of approach this. Uh, and then ultimately, I ended up leaving the company. Wow. But yeah, it was cool. I got to meet him and, and talk to him and ask him about his experience. But yeah, he's a super amazingly nice guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's, uh, I know of him from his work, I guess, with uh, doing a very similar job. I guess when he first got there was like filtering out porn. Yeah. Um, from Google, was it Gmail or was it regular Google? I don't remember. I think it was regular Google, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, and I know, like, I think now he's on like hiatus. He's still like, yeah, an employee of Google, but he's just like doing his own thing. But yeah, I just know of him. <laughs> but that's pretty cool. Yeah, when you when you said spam filtering, that's the first person that I thought. Yeah, of. yeah. So there's a bunch of different teams. Um, some that do really, really, really high level spam fighting, and some that sort of write new algorithms and, and yeah. Um, some that do like let's let's remove these fifty thousand domains at a time um, because they're just spammy enough, you know, or like some some. You know, like resellers and stuff that just resell the spam wow. companies. Anyway, it's 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 there's a lot of spam and a lot of really really crappy websites out there. Yeah, um, I, that I are pretty imagine. low quality. So I've probably know. written a couple of them. <laughs> so. Oh yeah, no, no low quality in terms of like the content, right? Is like oh, uh, it's just a shaky like uh, here's like link bait here, click bait here. Right. Or uh, let's take a movie review and run it through Google Translate, and then run it through Google Translate again back into the current language. So it's like slightly modified from what we currently this is why google translate is not public anymore by the way like, yeah. it doesn't have an api because of this problem um but yeah so then and then let's publish that new thing and then try to get search results for it and then run adwords against it and that's it yeah right wow so you know like that sort of thing it's like i'm reading this and it kind of sounds like english but it doesn't you know or stuff where people are mixing uh automatically generated content and actual human generated content it's just it's just so really depressing to to look at and read every day wow but 
yeah, um, that was that was a job, and there are people that do that, and they work really hard, and you know, um, it's necessary. You know, like they're part of the reason that Google search results are so good. But yeah, that's amazing because um, like, so I, I applied for to be an in, um, an intern at Google because I was getting prior to actually coding, I was actually getting my MBA. Yeah, so I applied to get, um, be an intern, but I obviously I, I didn't do it. So, so I'm here today, and now I'm coding. But yeah. so you had a job that a lot of people probably would strive to get and yeah you, you wanted to leave that job to go to twilio yeah so as your first engineer role how was that yeah um it was really fun it was really really good um so so i guess <laughs> for me some of the things that were that were nice about that at least compared with google was the commute was much shorter i lived in san francisco so i didn't have to get on a bus for an hour and a half yeah. both ways every day uh, I was doing stuff I like doing, so you're you're building things, you know, and you're you're sort of deploying them, and you're learning a lot more about you know things, and uh, you're helping your company and your career at the same time when you learn new stuff. Uh, and I got paid a lot more, which yeah. is nice. Um, engineering salaries are, are good. Um, okay. So yeah, so that was really nice. Um, it was fun. It was really tough going at the beginning because I didn't have really any engineering experience. Um, but I just sold them on like, I'm going to work really, really hard to learn everything. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to be like the most energetic person on the team. And like, I will fix everything. And that was basically what I sold, you know, and that was tough for a lot of the reasons, right? Like you have all this energy, you, you know, you want to say, oh, I want to fix this. I want to fix this. And I want to fix this. And I want to fix this. And this is broken. And, and yeah, uh, you kind of like, whoa, slow down, you know, like. Um, let's let's stay focused on what we need to what we need to, to ship this week because you know our time isn't infinite you know and yeah and learning things like uh, your own time isn't the bottleneck you know on on fixing a lot of this stuff it's uh, someone reviewing it and deploying it and all the other sort of things that you learn when you start. So Twilio, how long were you at Twilio? I was at Twilio for uh, two and a half years. Okay. So you, you worked as, did you have the title as junior engineer or did you just regular engineer? Uh, just regular engineer, I believe. Okay. But yeah. It's in terms of rank and everything, as junior as junior gets. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. Cool. So then you obviously, do they, does Twilio do Ruby? Is that part of their stack or do they do like? Uh, Twilio does, it's mostly though, it's it's interesting. The three There are three founders, one of whom was great at Java and needed to write Java for all of the voice stack, which is all asterisk, which is a Java tool. One who's really good at Python. So all of the platform infrastructure projects are written in Python. And then uh, Jeff Lawson, the CEO, was really good at PHP. So the API and the website were all written in PHP. Okay. So that was that's that's sort of the Twilio stack. Uh, more stuff's been moving into Java, but um, that was that was basically it. Um, so did yeah. you have to? So you knew a little bit of Java going in. Did you have to learn PHP and uh, Python? While you're yeah. Uh, most of what I was doing was in PHP, and yeah, you just kind of pick it up as as you go and yeah. figure out all the warts and everything. Yeah. Um, based on that, so so yeah. Um, but two, Twilio has helper libraries written in every language, so you kind of have to learn enough about enough each of those to maintain them, and yeah, you know, and all the build infrastructure around each one of those, which is which is interesting, you know. Yeah, yeah, very cool. Yeah, so with your eagerness to like wanting to learn, it probably wasn't. I'm sure it was pretty difficult to learn, but once you got going, I'm pretty sure it was pretty easy to like use that excitement to learn the next yeah or whatever so yeah yeah um once you get to some level of proficiency i think uh with with one or two languages i think more languages get get easier to yeah. easier to learn i'm finding that right now too 
So I'm only like, I've got two years of experience in, as a professional engineer, and I started uh -huh. with like Ruby and strictly Rails, yeah. my first job, and then picked up JavaScript. And now, today, I just, it's not in production, but I've written something in Go. Oh, nice. Like a little helper, similar to like the Go tool that you written um, for the Circle tool that you showed yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there's something super small just for like my benefit and hopefully other people's benefit on the team. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's my newest like language of like interest is Go. Nice. At the moment, so nice. I'm liking that. How about yourself? You, you, what are, you guys? Sorry, I just drew a blank. What do you guys work on in Circle? Uh oh, so ship, yeah. So we, oh, sorry, uh, yeah, ship. Yeah, so we, our API is written in JavaScript. Okay. Uh, and so that's that's, that's on right. Sales, yeah. which is a JavaScript port of Rails. Um, and then we've been writing more Go. Um, I wrote this command line tool uh, in Go, um, which is neat because the the uh, the deployment story is really great. You just build a binary and then uh, push that, and then everyone downloads the binary and it's updated. Right? There's no extra files. There's no paths. There's no anything. You just you just have the binary and you can run it. Yeah, interesting. Um, which is pretty great. Um, and my friends Kyle Conroy and Alan Shreve wrote this tool called Equinox, um, which makes it really really easy. You download their tool and they push to their servers and they host it and then they give you a little code snippet where basically everyone can type, um, you know, whatever the, the binary is, update. Uh, so for us, it's ship update. And then that will download the latest version and replace the current binary. So then it will print out, like, updated to the latest version. So it's super, super easy. Anytime I want to deploy new versions of this command line tool, you just tell everyone, hey, type ship update, and then they have it, right? So there's no work to sort of like, hey, go get pull this thing and worry about git SSH and everything. It's literally just okay. Cool. It's, and that's it's just, super, super easy and super nice to deal with. That's interesting. Is that also open source? Like, I could take a look at it, or is that all? Uh, the ship tool is pretty close. Okay. Um, there are parts that are open. Um, we have some like helpers around like Git commands and uh, okay. uh, Circle CI. So we push our tests to Circle CI, um, and we have a, a thing that sort of waits for those tests to finish. Yeah. Um, and then prints out like some nice reporter output based on that. Um, oh, and that part's open source, um, which is nice. Um, but yeah, the rest of it is. Closed, unfortunately. How big is the team at Ship? Uh, it's about thirty people now. Twenty-five, thirty engineers, just engineers, uh, and then maybe I think one hundred and fifty total. So okay, all in SF or you guys? Uh, uh, in SF, and then we have we have city teams in each of the cities that we're in. So we are okay, in yeah. San Francisco, New York, uh, Chicago, and Los Angeles right now. And so each of those cities has a warehouse and a and a city manager who's responsible for all the drivers and all the warehouse techs and sort of the overall operation of the okay city yeah very cool awesome so at this point you do you consider yourself as a senior software engineer or have you yeah okay um I, that's so funny you know like <laughs> i started working as an engineer in 2011 okay late 2011 and it's 2016 you know um so just barely, barely over four years. Yeah, um, but you know that's just I guess you know what is what is senior. I guess we could we could we could talk about you know what it means to be a senior engineer. Yeah, I yeah. guess my uh, my idea is like so. I, I don't consider myself as a senior engineer. I don't still know enough, but my my whole limitation would be: can you build something quickly and have knowledge enough to not get hung up on it? That's very like in the box. Yeah. Um, there's like so many other things. Like, can you teach? Can you like explain and mentor and all stuff like that? So, like, what's your idea of it? 
Oh man. Um, yeah, there's, there's so many different sort of, sort of angles and so many different ways to approach this. Um, but yeah, I think what you mentioned around like being able to build something, you know, and, and, and move on from it quickly, you know, um, a lot of it too, like building the right thing, yeah. um, being sort of mature enough and, and to know that, you know, when it's appropriate to use a new technology versus to yeah. stick with what you have and, yep. um, thinking through how this thing is going to fail before it gets to production. Um, you know, I guess part of that too, is I guess one thing at Twilio that was really great is, you know, the company was going, growing so fast and getting so much traffic that you got to sit in on a lot of postmortems and, uh, learn a lot about a failure and yeah. you know, deployed more than my fair share of, 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 of failures to production. Um, yeah, that's pretty valuable. Yeah. Like to, so, to, so you to learn talk about it. Right. So you learn from that in theory, right? Like if you're making mistakes, it's not great, but you should be, you know, I guess I'd put this in the senior bucket too. You should be analyzing those and saying, well, how did, how did I make this mistake? Right. Or how did all of the conditions in our, in our environment contribute to me making this mistake and shipping it in front of customers, you yeah. know, and then how can we not have that happen again? Right. You know, whether that's, I need to like fix my tool so it does better syntax highlighting or whatever, right? Or I need to run uh, better tests, you know, like or automated checks before I deploy this thing to production. Yeah, whatever that ends up being, like uh, that's something I expect. I guess a senior person, yeah, to to know how to sort of learn from that and improve their own process. And, yeah, yeah, very true. Yeah, but I think it kind of makes sense. And you, uh, you're technically a senior because you're pretty good at not everything, but you're pretty good at certain things, and you're good at more than just a couple to kind of differentiate yourself from like right. just a regular run-of-the-mill developer. So Right. You know, and the thing is, I guess it, it can be tempting to be like, oh, yeah, I made it to this level or any really level and then be like, yeah, well, I know more than the rest of the people on my team for whatever value that is, you know, and then just kind of saying, oh, I'm, I'm good enough. But you're always, there's always new things to learn or different things to learn. I mean, a lot of it, for me lately has been, you know, sort of, sort of personal stuff and, 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 and motivation and, and teaching and all the things that you mentioned, you know, it's just, it's a lot sort of harder, right? It's like, you can, you can fix as, as much as, as much as you want on your own and you can deploy perfect code, but you're only one person at the end of the day, right? Yeah. You know, you know, you really need to sort of work on how do I get the team to, 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 be better and, and write reliable code and, and yeah. write stable code and how do I help how do I help the entire team sort of build better things faster and more reliably and yeah yeah there's some good points too uh for sure and I think it's just like it's a balance because then the other on the other side of it like you could be senior like at ship but if you go to like go engineer at Google are you technically senior or no you... there's no way yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah so it's like depending on like what you bring to the table and your experiences too right kind of right yeah so yeah it's, it's interesting so as a senior engineer, do you do a, any interviewing um, of candidates yeah, and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Because I was going to ask you a question. Like, what do you, when you interview a candidate, what do you look for in a potential candidate, junior, senior, or whatever? Oh, that's a really good question. What I look for in candidates, interviewing is really, really tricky just because of how easy it is to sort of let your biases about a candidate or let people that look like you for whatever value of look like, you know, went to your yeah. same school or use your same language or use your same text editor or whatever. Yeah. Um, let those sort of traits affect your interview, right. Or let their handshake, you know, and all this stuff. And it's like that, 
really shouldn't play that much of a role because number one, it's not fair, you know, yeah. like it, number two, it, it means that you're selecting along something that isn't, can this person get the job done well? Yeah. And so for, for everything else being equal, you're going to select like a less good person or a less yeah. good developer, you know, if they're like, Oh, they went to my same school. So, you know, they must be good, you know? Um, and number three, it's going to be expensive, right? Because if you're filtering for people that live in San Francisco and know JavaScript, you're going to have to pay a lot more than, you know, if you're screening for unknown talent, you know, that that might turn out to be really good. Um, there's a guy named Thomas Ptacek who writes a lot on uh, Hacker News and, and other places. And, and he his whole thing is they, he used to run a security company. And what they would do, they would just issue these sorts of security challenges, right? They'd They'd send people books and they'd send people all these things like, hey, here's this cipher. Um, here's how you can crack it, right, without going into specific details. And it's like, write code to crack it, right? Or like, here's here's an example of code, you know. Yeah. You can break this. Now go ahead and break it, right? And what they'd find is they'd find these, you know, like, line of business .NET developers who actually were, like, amazingly good at security, right? Um, and they'd just find them basically by, by giving them challenges and being sort of really objective about, um, just grading the challenges and that's it. You yeah. Know? And then pretty much, I'm pretty sure their only filter was just not screening for people not being a jerk, you know? Um, so I, I'm trying to, trying to, uh, to work more towards that and, and build a sort of hiring process that's more based on that, just based on, um, giving people, uh, challenges, you know, giving people these sorts of, uh, quizzes along things that are relevant to us. Like we do a lot of work with Postgres, right? So, can you write something as an example? This is one that I that I really like. Is let's say uh, the iOS team ships a version of the app that's that accidentally sends duplicate copies of every single request to the API, right? And it's your job to make sure that, for example, people don't get charged twice, right? Like what happens if they send two requests, like um, to charge customer, right, or whatever? Yeah. We don't want to charge that person's credit card twice because that's really bad, right? It's stealing essentially. Um, or they want to submit a pickup, right? And we don't want to send two or three or four drivers to go complete that pickup, even if they sent four requests to submit the app. So how do you sort of build your app in a way that you can check for those duplicate requests, even if you don't know what else is in flight at the current time? Yeah. Um, so figuring out how to sort of deal with that, right? Like that's a very relevant problem for our business, right? This is something that actually happened. We had to we had to solve it, right? Um, figuring out that sort of stuff. Figuring out. Um, for example, like build tools, right? Like how do you sort of make everyone better by building a, an easy to use build tool, right? Um, and, so, and just sort of going from there, right? Um, and trying to figure out, okay, here are these code samples, right? And then we can say, well, which one of these, when we brought people in, which one, which one of these code samples predicted success in the job really, really well, right? And then that helps you too, because you can send that same code sample to anyone, regardless of what text editor they use or whatever. Um, you can send that, you can, you can get, you can evaluate the results and you can compare across all the results because you yeah. have code samples and everything. So yeah, so that's something I've been trying to do, I guess, more in terms of interviewing is line it up much more with what, what helps our company be successful and not so much, you know, um, what, what particular traits you have. That was, that was a long answer, but I hope it was. Uh, no, yeah, it's pretty valuable. It's nice to hear that, um, that you guys do that as a company, as far as interview, are you aiming to do that at least, um. Because I had a, I actually had a conversation uh, with one of my coworkers about um, you mentioned like this handshake and like the, the he was actually working on a blog post about the secret handshake and how put 
employers will uh, interview potential employees or interviewees with like these code snippets that use either like some sort of algorithm data structure that's learned in like computer science yeah which completely like this um like if you don't know like the, like the actual nomenclature of like you know how do you do a binary uh binary tree or whatever um just like simple things like that that could just be explained like with a hey you have this problem yeah how do you traverse through this like this problem uh, but rather they just, just throw out this whole like uh, computer science thing. So like, yeah, I'm going the long answer, but yeah, basically he's just talking about the secret handshake and how that they could pick some sort of esoteric problem that has nothing to do with like what their, their business structure is. Yeah. Like this could be a, uh, an app that sends, you know, food deliveries or whatever. And they're trying right. to figure out something that has nothing to do with their problem or maybe it doesn't do with their problem, but they didn't give the context, like how you explained, um, you know, it could be different shipments going to the same or different requests going to the same shipment. Yeah, to be able to limit that. But um, he was just talking about that and trying to trying to dissect the interview process and trying to I kind of expose the fact that some of these uh, interview questions are more to see like, hey, do you did you get a CS degree or did you not get a CS degree? Right. You know, did you do you spend your extra time studying algorithms and making sure you're up to date with them on a regular basis? Or do you like, you know, some of that stuff is valid. I think a lot of it's valid, but I think the way it's approached in interviews, sometimes it isn't. So. Right. Um, so yeah. I had that's that's funny. That brings up a, an interesting point. I had a terrible interview uh, before I started at Chip um, at a different company, um, a large company that you've you've, you've certainly heard of, um, and it was just awful. Um, it was fair, right? For some degree of fair, um, you know, they they asked tough questions, and I I basically bombed them. But part of it was I was coding at a whiteboard. They asked, you know, hey, here's this yeah. tough, tough algorithm question, and and here, go go solve it. And I'm 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 writing up at a whiteboard. But a lot of sort of my own process that, that makes me sort of useful is is being able to uh, type things out in an editor, right, yeah. and see the sort of syntax problems, and then write tests against it, right. So like then I can write tests. I can exercise the code like hundreds of times a minute, you know, or whatever, uh, and and sort of see what exactly is failing, right? And observe what's going on where I had no way to do that on a whiteboard, right? Yeah. So it's basically taken out of this context of super useful. And this is something that we tried to be careful of when we interview people is we always want people for giving them programming questions in an interview um, to be able to code in an environment that is familiar for them, right? Yeah. And we don't care what tool people are using, you know, um, to sort of get that job done or, or what sort of editor or environment or language or whatever. Um, just, just be comfortable, right? Just be comfortable and, and be good at, you know, your sort of workflow, you yeah. know? Um, but yeah, that was, that was interesting. Cause it was, you know, and I wouldn't do that again. If I was, if I was going now, if they asked me to come in and interview, I'd say, well, I bring in my laptop or I'm not doing this because it was, it was such a waste for them and for me to come in and just do poorly at, at this whiteboard, you know, versus like, I, I, I'm not sure I would have passed if I had my laptop, but I would have done certainly much better. And I would have like yeah. demonstrated competency to all these interviewers much better than I did. So, yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's interesting, uh, like approach interviewing. It's very interesting. I, I, it's more of a thing, I guess, here in the Bay area. I think the job, all, all the jobs I applied for was all take home projects and then we come talk yeah. about it. Yeah. Um, which I found super, uh, very approachable as someone coming in from a completely different field and doing engineering for the first time. So that was yeah. nice. Um, but coming out here, um, I hear more and more about these, about whiteboards. I actually whiteboarded for this interview, um, but it wasn't like intense at all. Yeah. It was a very simple problem. And uh, 
the thing the, the funny thing though is that like intensity totally depends on the person right like i've yeah. interviewed people in the past that ha- that were incredibly nervous like could not string together words yeah and you're just trying to think of anything that you can do to sort of help this person yeah feel more comfortable in the, in the situation that they're in you know because you want to give them a fair shake and you know certainly yeah. you don't want them to to be nervous and you don't want to reject them because they're probably going to come in and be great you know if they've gotten this far and they're this nervous you know so um so yeah you know it totally depends but yeah anything you can do to make people feel comfortable or put them in their environment is super, yeah super useful yeah very cool man um yeah we're heading up towards our our time limit but uh, as we wind down i want to ask you one more question which would be what do you do personally to keep up to date as far as an engineer like are there certain places you look or certain things you do to oh, stay up to date as an engineer? Uh, this is gonna sound silly, but I asked my friends. My friends know, I don't know, They, I, I, I'm fortunate that I, I met some friends at Twilio that know a lot more than me and have a lot more experience and um, use them as a sounding board a lot. Okay. Um, on, you know, hey, how I here's how I'm thinking about approaching this problem. You know, how would you approach it, you know? and. Um, Similarly, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll answer their questions or, or share, share what I've been working on. Um, but that's, that's probably been the most useful thing for me, you know, is, um, this is funny because this, speaking of interviewing, if someone asked me about this and how would you, how would you design the system, you know, and step two of this process is me saying, well, I'd ask these people, you know, how they designed it in the past and see, yeah. see what they say, you know, and you can't really say that in an interview though, but yeah. it, it certainly is valuable, at least for me to, you know, to, to, to have that sort of resource. And I'm, I'm hoping that that I can be, you know, similarly useful and people can ask those sorts of questions of me and I'll give my best shot. Yeah, yeah. That's actually a really good answer because uh, our CTO, uh, he's been in the Bay Area for a while. He's worked for another company before starting this one. And that's what he does whenever we approach a new problem. He'll just start, you know, reaching out to his friends or his roommates. Uh, I think one of his roommates, uh, I think one or both of them we saw for Dropbox. So they've approached a, quite a bit of like problems as far as like architecture things. Uh-huh. And um, usually he's like, oh, let's just ask other people we know in the industry and we'll see if we can solve this problem uh, with some like some guidance rather than like going in like some sort of corner in the office and like hacking away at a problem on your own yeah um i've had the similar problem where i'm actually on a new project and the structure of it is slightly different than what our main monolith app is um so a lot of the questions i've had to approach outside of work to uh, address some of these like um, different things as I approach it. So um, our main app is like a, it's a Rails backend, Angular frontend. Uh-huh. And this app is, it eventually came up to be a Rails backend React frontend, but we also went Node backend. We also went Rails altogether. And we tried out a couple things before we decided on what we have actually ended up with. So yeah, um, yeah, I think that's a very valuable thing to have, especially like having a network, which is uh, pretty cool. Yeah. Awesome. And uh, so you mentioned you do writing. You still write? I still write, yeah. Uh, On occasion, I give talks every now and again. Um, I write at kev.inberk.com. That's my name with a period. Um, Okay. Turns out Kevin Burke is a very popular name. I'm sure Brian Douglas is the same same boat. I've worked at a company where there was another Brian Douglas. Oh, man. (laughs) It's Um, a large company. Yeah. Uh, And I'm on Twitter. My name backwards, Ekrub Nivik. Uh, it's probably the easiest way to, to find updates about what, what, what's going on. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. I appreciate Kevin for you coming in and chatting with me and, uh, best of luck to the rest of your developing oh. story. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I, I was really glad to come in and have a chance to share it. Cool.
so that's Kevin's story. Um, if you guys are interested, definitely follow this guy on Twitter, um, read his blog, ask him questions. Uh, obviously, he's a wealth of information about um, programming, web programming, and t the technology as a whole. Um, so definitely uh, reach out to him if you have questions. Re reach out to me if you have any questions. Hello at BrianDouglas.me. Also, like, review, subscribe, developingstory.link, uh, this developing story on iTunes, Stitcher. Um, tell us how, how we're doing. Um, it would be great to hear some feedback. All right, until then, I'll see you next week.